That's Matthew 2, 1 to 12, which is on page 914 of the Church Bible. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Who is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star and it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, this is what the prophet has written. But to you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will, become, will come a ruler who will shepherd all my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray. God, we pray that you hear what we hear, that you, we hear what you have to say to us this morning. We pray that we feel your presence, Lord. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Not how you might expect a talk to start on the 5th of January, but contrary to what a lot of people think at the moment, it is still Christmas. We're on the 12th day, and tonight, the 12th night, might be for many of us the time when we take down the decorations and return to normality. As I sat down to write this talk, I was contemplating the task of taking down my Christmas decorations and getting everything ready for back to school, my youngest starting nursery, myself heading back to work on Monday. It's a new year. It's a new start. And there are so many messages like that out there, aren't there? To mention just a few of the most popular ones that I've seen. New Year, new, year, new You. This is Your Year. And lastly, The Adventure Begins Here. I'm sure we're all familiar with these messages. And they're all designed to motivate us. And of course, some of us may have made New Year's resolutions. Did anybody make any? <laughs> Did anybody make any last year? And who kept them? <laughs> so the start of the year surrounds us with many messages about re The problem is, we make all these plans and set all these goals. But do we leave space for God's plans? This time of year doesn't have to be about out with the old, in with the new. 
Instead, it could be about drawing nearer to God and listening and praying about what God will do in our lives and the lives of those around us. The Feast of Epiphany, which is what we are celebrating today, marks the beginning of a new season in the church calendar. Epiphany is the feast that celebrates the revelation of baby Jesus and of the love of God to the world. It marks the first appearance of Jesus to the Gentiles. And this revelation is meant for everyone. And that's symbolized in today's reading by the arrival of visitors in the form of the Magi from the East. Epiphany brings with it good news. Jesus is here for all of us. No one is excluded from his love. Everyone can come to know what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. So as well as good news, I think if we are honest, Epiphany does bring with it a challenge for us. And it's not the same sort of challenge as Veganuary or Dry January or Run Every Day January or whatever other challenges are popping up on your Facebook newsfeed. But it's a challenge to include everyone, and one that needs to continue past the end of January as well, I might add. Epiphany reveals Christ and Christ's love to the world, which means that the only thing standing in the way of everybody receiving it is people. So our challenge is to abandon any sense of tribalism we may have, any sense of the outsider, and to welcome people in. Now that's a huge challenge. Whether you think of it on a personal, local, national, or global level. But Jesus makes it possible. He is our guide in this. The passage we've heard talks about seeing a light in the darkness. Trusting in it and following it to gaze upon and to worship Jesus. Today's reading also has an important narrative function because, spoiler alert, the visit of the Magi and their failure to return to Herod sets the scene for Herod's resolve to kill all the male children in Bethlehem, which you will see in verse 16 of the same chapter. But back to the start of our reading today, where the Magi saw the star. Notice that our translation of the reading says in verse 2, that they saw the star when it rose. I imagine that would be quite a, stipe, a sight. A star rising up and moving above you and ahead of you. And the Magi not only saw this star rise, they recognized it to be his star, the star that announced that Jesus was born. The Magi traveled from the east, trusting that star, desiring to worship this newborn king. And it was a long journey to get there, never mind the return trip we'll come to later. Anyone else experienced, perhaps endured, a long journey over the holidays? Well, I have. Our journey was by car, and it was just under 300 miles with two small children, one of whom is a highly skilled escape artist, <laughs> and a dog. We had to endure more than a few questions of, are we nearly there yet? But with a supply of coffee and snacks and loud cartoons on iPads in the back and even louder worship music in the front, we trustingly followed the satna from the relative comfort of our warm and dry car, and we got there. Now, we don't know for sure where the Magi began their journey, because the only indication that we are given is that they came from the east, 
And I'm sure it won't surprise you that there are a fair few interpretations of what constitutes the East, as referred to in our reading. It's kind of like the everything north of the N25 is the north theory that I first came across when I moved to Kent. The East could span quite a large area. In Genesis chapter 29, the city of Haran is referred to as being in the land of the people of the East. And Isaiah chapter 41, uh, Isaiah chapter 41 talks about Cyrus, the great of Persia, as the righteous man from the East. A bit more research told me that the Jews considered anywhere in the area of northern Arabia, Syria, and Mesopotamia as the East. And from all the different sources that I read, it does seem most likely that the Magi travelled at least 400 miles, which would have been quite a trek, whether on foot or by camel. It is likely that this journey lasted a few weeks or even a month if they were only traveling by night to be guided by the star. It would have been dusty and dirty, and they would have been carrying everything they needed with them, and there would have been no ETA on the sat-nav. This kind of puts our modern-day idea of a long journey into perspective, doesn't it? And anyone who, do, who has done a long journey will know that there is usually some sort of blip or mishap and I'll, share you, I'll spare you the account of ours on our journey. But for the Magi, this was the point in their journey where they entered Jerusalem and asked the question that alerted Herod to Jesus. They traveled all that way, guided by the star. And then when they arrived at Jerusalem, which they passed through some five or six miles from Bethlehem, they asked somebody where they can find the baby. But of course, they may not have known at this point how close they really were. This news reached Herod, and we're told in verse 3 that Herod's disturbed by this. He calls a meeting with all the chief priests and teachers of the law, and they fill him in on what it means that this baby is to be born, to be a ruler, to be a shepherd of the people. The interesting thing is the whole of Jerusalem is said to be disturbed. This could be because they know the news would anger Herod. Or it could be that they are disturbed by the arrival of the outsiders from the foreign land of the East, perhaps. So Herod summons the Magi in secret, and he wants to know the exact time the star appeared. That seems a bit of an interesting detail that Matthew's included here, doesn't it? I wonder how exact they could be in a world before iPhones and smartwatches. So Herod gets wind of what's going on, and he wants to find where this baby is. He sends the Magi on to go and look carefully for the baby. Again, it's all very secret, isn't it? And they have instructions to report back to him. We don't get to hear the response of the Magi, but we assume they nod along and agree to this. The Magi follow the star, and for a second time in this passage, we are told that the Magi saw the star when it rose, reminding us that they weren't just following a particularly bright shining star that they looked up and saw, but that their journey started with wonder and amazement, and they knew it to be leading them to something even more wondrous. They see the star moving ahead of them, and then it stops to show them where Jesus is. 
Verse 10 says that they were overjoyed when they saw the star. And this, for me, implies that they lost sight of it for a bit, which could explain why they needed to ask the question in in Jerusalem. Their journey was perhaps not as straightforward as portrayed in the modern-day accounts. And when they arrive at the house or dwelling place, they see Jesus there with Mary, and they bow down, they worship him and present him with gifts. And despite having been told by Herod to report back to him, they never do. Because just as they trusted that the star was to be followed, they also trust the dream that tells them not to return to Herod. For the Magi, though, instead of being able to select an alternative route on the sat-nav, they have to plot out the route that avoids Jerusalem to get themselves safely home, which I imagine would have made their return journey even longer. And they did all this trusting the guidance that they were given to get a glimpse of a baby, to seek, to find, and to worship. I wonder if we show that amount of trust. It's not easy, is it? I wonder where you are starting from this year. Whether you feel like you are as far east as you could get or whether you feel that you are near enough to gaze in wonder at Jesus. The star above the place where the Magi found Jesus would have been visible for miles, and it was his star, Jesus' star. So wherever we find ourselves, there is a guide for us. There is a light in the darkness that guides us and calls us into relationship with him. As we begin this new year, and get ourselves out of holiday mode and back into normal routine and the busyness of every day. It seems hard to think of the Magi patiently and faithfully trekking across the dusty terrain and making that journey with the goal in mind of seeing and worshipping the newborn Messiah. Whilst very few of us are likely called to trek across the desert, we are called to draw nearer to Jesus. So if we do want to make a New Year's resolution, perhaps that should be ours, to draw nearer to Jesus, to trust his guiding light. Instead of embracing messages such as New Year, New You, and reinventing ourselves, we should instead remind ourselves that we are all loved children of God, created by God in his image, knitted together by him, fearfully and wonderfully made to be just as we are. No reinvention necessary. So whilst we are taking down the decorations, taking down the lights and sparkle, part of our task as followers of Jesus is to continue to sparkle and let that Christ light and message of love shine through us. Some of us might want to take the sparkly bit a bit more literally than others, of course, But if we know Jesus, then he shines through us and brings others closer to him. The Magi's primary concern was Jesus, meeting with him, gazing at him, worshipping him. And that should be our primary concern too. Because through taking the time to meet with Jesus, to gaze at him, to be in relationship with him, we can find something that none of our New Year's resolutions, trends, or fads can give us. We can find unconditional love, 
acceptance, peace, joy, light. And we can find that all year round. The good news is that this is the beginning of the story. We followed that Christmas story. Possibly we have followed it for most of our lives. Or maybe this was the first Christmas that we really followed it. Or perhaps you are sat here feeling a bit like you are still looking in from the outside. Wherever we are on our journey, Epiphany is about Jesus being revealed to all of us. He is there for all of us. And remember that challenge that I mentioned earlier, to remove the barriers, any sense of the outsider. He is there for all of us. There's no time limit on the journey or pressure to get there. There may be times on the road ahead where there's a blip or where we lose sight of the star. But it doesn't mean it's not there. In the times where we are in darkness, the good news is that there is always light. Jesus is that light and he's there for everyone. So whether you're searching for the star or standing gazing at the face of Jesus, let's trust in the good news of Jesus and draw nearer to him. Amen.